Welcome to another edition of Anglican Unscripted, episode 623. I'm Kevin Coulson. I'm George Conger. Today's October 10th, 2020. Okay, before I reveal my secret location off the grid, hidden from every conspiracy theory there is, I need you to like the program. Just, if you're on Facebook, you see that little thumbs up thing, you click it. If you're watching us on YouTube, do the same. And that really lets YouTube and Facebook know that this is the coolest Anglican show ever, and that they should help promote it. It's like free advertising. If you have not yet done so, please go and to the YouTube channel and click that little red rectangle where you subscribe to the show. That gives you instant notifications every time we uh, publish a new one. Also, uh, and I've complimented you as being the best commenters ever, and you are, go to the comment section and give us your opinion on the stuff we're talking about. The show doesn't end when I click the record button to the off position. So I am here in Conway, South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. And no, I may be at a service center, but the fun has not stopped. Tomorrow, Sunday, October 11th, marks 100 days on the road for Jill and I. We've been traveling uh, this country. We've also driven 10,000 miles. So I'm here at a service center. I need to get the oil changed, the transmission changed, the belts changed, the wires changed. I need to do all the 10,000 mile maintenance issues and have them done. And we called the other day to this a little uh, uh, coming service center. I, I'm going to be stopping by with my RV. I want to be sure you have this part, this part, this part, this part in stock. So we make it quick, you know, in and out. Oh, we do trucks. To, yeah, yeah, come, come, come on. I get here, George, and they have one of the nine things I need. So we get to stay in their, their uh, um, parking lot here free for the weekend. So it's for Jill and I, it's a benefit. We're not paying camping fees. Going to save uh, a, a couple hundred bucks there, but we'll make it up on the other end when we pay for our maintenance. Uh, George, I see that you have opened the doors to your church. Yes, yes. We next Sunday, not this weekend, but next Sunday we mm-hmm. return to in-person services. Four services on Sunday, plus we're doing three recorded services: uh, morning prayer, a communion, and compline in addition to four communion services during the day. So it's going to be exciting and busy and fun and uh, horrendously exhausting. Yeah, it's going to say, what do you have time to do unscripted and all the uh, the um, reporting work you do? Well, well, see, the thing is, I like doing that. I mean, uh, I'm one of these odd people where I have more energy at the end of the service than I do at the beginning because I sort of, I don't know, sort of, I'm a vampire. I suck the life out of the people in the congregation. <laughs> oh, you spiritually feed off the, you know, uh, the faces of the, the encouraged. Of course, that's you know, that's how this works. Uh, that's how Anglican TV and Anglican Inc. work. Is we're encouraged by the people who come here and read uh, about the news and are uh, uh, encouraged by the transformational news. We're not we're honest about what's happening in the church, and I think that helps a lot of people. Of course, we're also honest about what happens in the church. George, we talked last week about uh, Albany. Bishop Love has uh, been found guilty of not complying with general convention. 
And now we have a response from the Standing Committee from the Diocese of Albany. And for those of you who in the ACNA thought, ooh, this is, a, this is lockstep, they're going to hop into the ACNA, it looks like, if I'm reading the letter correctly, that they want to still fight within the system. You know, we defend Bishop Love, and we're here to stay. Yes. Kevin, you exactly summed it up. The Albany Standing Committee has called on the diocese to pray for Bishop Love. They mm -hmm. back Bishop Love, but they're not going anywhere. So the they're hoping the system will play itself out, that there be appeals and this and that. But they have not raised the flag of secession. And I very much doubt they will. Um, the just like South Carolina had a uh, proportion of those who were loyalists come hell or high water, uh, so does Albany. But the majority is not as ready, We're, are not as ready as South Carolina was to jump. Now the process in South Carolina took a lot longer, uh, so we don't know how things will turn out. But it, but the, uh, the the word from the, the leadership, lay leaders and clergy leaders in Albany is we back our bishop and we are Episcopalians. If I remember correctly, the first communications out of the Diocese of South Carolina were the same thing. Uh, nice try, Catherine Jefferson Shoy, we're not going anywhere. You know, and over time they were just beaten out of the Episcopal Church. I don't know if that would happen to Albany, but. Um, you know, the first communications are nice try, uh, Michael Curry. We're not going anywhere. So, yeah, well, but it wasn't as uh, belligerent. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, the Catherine Jefferts Shorey is was such a polarized. See, Michael Curry's uh, whole shtick is love, 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 love. No, false love, false put, love, false love. He doesn't put into practice what he preaches, <laughs> but his public persona is love, love, love. Uh -huh. Catherine Jefferts Shorey. Uh, was always looking for the ruby slippers that her sister lost. Uh, she was not pushing love, love, love. And so it was an easier PR. Uh, it was an easier argument to make that we got to get out when under under Jeffrey Shorey than under Michael Curry. Oh, jeez. <laughs> We're recording on Saturday, so we're a little more fresher uh, in, in our responses. And I, there is truth to that. Uh, Catherine Jefferts Shorey had a more take no prisoners attitude. Michael Curry is like um, the, the perfect molasses politician. Uh, you know, as far as we're going to get our way, but we're not going to kill anybody to do it. And Catherine, bless her heart. I uh, had a different philosophy when it came to political strategy within the church. I don't know if it was just her and her legal advisors, but uh, it was uh, certainly a different strategy. Um, we'll have to see how this plays out. I think Albany is going to be the last of the... I don't ever see Dallas or a, a problem with your, your diocese in Central Florida. And maybe Albany will be the last legal struggles within the church. I don't know. Well, we've uh, contacted various institutions asking if they have a response. We wrote to GAFCON, mm -hmm. and uh, the unofficial is, yes, we're concerned, but we'll have to wait and see if the primate, GAFCON primates make a statement. Sure. Uh, they put out on their uh, I saw a blurb website yeah. a, a prayer thing, which is different because it's not written by the primates of GAFCON. It's by the, the staff. 
Uh, nobody in the Church of England has uh, said anything. None of the uh, conservative bishops or evangelical bishops or the flying bishops have said anything. Mm -hmm. uh, Church of England at Lambeth Palace, it's the uh, unofficial answer is, well, this is a legal process underway and until the appeals process works itself out it wouldn't be proper for us to comment which is a bona fide offer uh, 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 opinion sure but um there's not the universal outrage of statements flying across the internet that we saw in battles past uh nor have there been uh, episcopal bishops uh, standing up as allies of bishop love uh, from the communion partners group or or other uh, or re any retired bishops who have well, nothing to fear I we mean, just haven't had that I don't know whether it's exhaustion or yeah. whether it's Bishop Love's personal relationships are at the same level it, as the other I don't, think it's, I don't know I, I just think people don't care anymore I that's think probably it I think you know between uh, you know current bishops and retired bishops, maybe 280, 300 Episcopal bishops in all, not a peep. Uh, from the Anglican Communion, even outside of GAFCON, not a peep. And I think we just come, well, not I, but I think the, the Christianity and the Anglican Communion and the Episcopal Church have come to the point where they just don't care anymore. Um, and that's sad. I think they had the well, greatest voice. In the I hate late. to put it in this analogy, but you know, every time we run a story about a massacre of Christians in Nigeria, it gets less and less news. It does uh, because it's it's not news; it's the normal. Yeah. Um, so the phenomena is not unknown. Yeah. Of people's uh, people are used to injustice uh, in the church. <laughs> church. Oh, man. Well, let's follow up. We also reported last week on the Church of England was part of a big report on exploitation. Institutional invest it, institu independent investigation into sexual abuse of children. Or That's it. Flat why words in some order. Why do they make these, these documents so difficultly titled? You know, that you and I have to, we can't talk about it without looking it up somewhere on the internet. Uh, yes, in general, they did a, a large independent study of all the abuses of children, uh, not just inside the Church of England, but uh, certainly a predominant feature of the document. We talked about it, and Archbishop of Canterbury, that should perk your ears. Ooh, Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, uh, your ears probably went down a little, has responded. And unlike previous times when he was sad, he is now deeply saddened, George, expressly saddened, saddened to a newer level than he was sad before, after reading this report, which you probably knew all about before. But now he's deeply sad. And I thought we could talk about the deep, sad Justin Welby. Uh, Justin <laughs> Welby is deeply contrite. But he is not deeply contrite we have let the people down there's he is not taking any responsibility as leader of this organization sure he's sloughing it off onto the institution itself onto unnamed people and places there was once upon a time when a leader of an organization took responsibility for the organization even if he did not directly order uh the action 
uh, if the people under his uh, authority were bad, he had, as the leader, he had, you know, to take the hit. The buck stops here. Now, there have been always people calling for Justin Welby to step down and resign. I mean, it was most last time it was this loud was the George Bell affair. Yeah. Where, where Welby falsely accused a dead heroic bishop of of uh, being a, an abuser. Uh, that turned out to be, you know, that turned out to be nonsensical, the, the abuse allegation. And now there are people making tr- calls for Welby to step down, and we're seeing some non-church voices adding to that, saying, look, Justin, you're useless. Uh, some, but some heads have to roll, and we want yours. Well, Justin Welby is not giving his head. Oh. He's not taking responsibility for this action. And he, the funny thing is, this may be English culture, the, the culture of the old boy network or the culture of the tribe or whatever it is, the, the House of Bishops is not a peep out of them uh, except for you know, there are no independent voices within the Church of England on this issue in the institutional hierarchy. So that uh, they're just hoping this floats away. Well, the, but we just saw that with the Diocese of Albany and Bishop Love. Nobody says a word here, and nobody's saying a word about just a tremendously uh, indicting document on the culture of sexual misconduct within the Church of England. Not one bishop from the House of Bishops says one word. Justin Welby acts like he's only been on the job for a month. Oh my God, this is a horrible, and I'm so deeply, you know, tragically offended and disappointed in the Church of England. You know, this is the well, same the, the, thing. Their calls for the Church of England in this uh, paper by ICSA, the, the Independent Commission that uh, did it for the abuse reporting to be taken away from the Church of England, that whole process to, to be put in independent hands. Centralized, yeah. And <clears throat> I'm remembered of an analogy from American history. Uh, does it, I mean, Kevin, you and I are the same generation. As children, we saw these commercials for Keep America Beautiful. And oh, sure. the most famous one was the, the crying Indian, Indian. Indian. Sure. Native American guy, highway, sees litter. And the tear that affected me. I never did it after down, And you have William Conrad's very yes. profound bass voice. People can cause pollution, people can stop pollution. That's right. And that's a worthy goal, but there's things that you don't really, if you were a normal American, you didn't know. The Keep America Beautiful Trust Foundation was founded by a group of companies that included the Dixie Cup Corporation the American Can Corporation, Owings Corning Glass, and the Coca-Cola Corporation. What do they all have in common? Well, the crap you saw by the side of the highway was their products. (laughs) So they decided to jump in early and basically control the dialogue. And so it's not about our disposable plastics but all pollution. It's about people can cause this problem. People can stop it instead of the Dixie Cup Corporation to cause this problem, and the Dixie Cup Corporation can stop this problem. And you, know, you go even deeper. Iron Eyes Cody, the Indian who uh, was in this show, 
uh, in these commercials. Uh, he was famous for giving Jimmy Carter a big war bonnet in the White House and everything. Iron Eyes Cody was really an Italian-American named Esperanza de Cortini, or de Corti. He was not an Indian. He was an actor. And uh. what, we're what we're having is the Church of England, like the Keep America Beautiful Foundation, is trying to resolve the abuse issue on its own terms by controlling the dialogue and redirecting blame from where it should be. And the Keep America Beautiful Foundation's goal, it's still an ongoing uh, charity, but its goal was not to point the picture at disposable plastics and disposable waste that is littering the highways, but it's people's, it's a people problem. The Church of England is saying this is not a problem of the hierarchy of the Church of England and our culture and our not wanting to take responsibility. It's just bad people who will do bad things. They're muddying the waters, I believe, to sort of get rid of the taint of the responsibility for what they have done. We, we've, we mentioned last week, and I misstated his name, it's not uh, Bishop uh, James Newsom. Newsom is the governor of California. It's James Newcomb. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, excuse me, I wanted to correct that. Thank okay, you, viewers yeah. from England, who uh, corrected that. The Newcomb scandal, and it's a scandal, is so indicative of how the Church of England is going to handle this. Newcomb, a good old boy who went up through the ladder of bishop preparation. He served on committees. He was a tutor at a Ridley College. He was the right background, the right schools, the right accent, and he's a nice chap. <clears throat> um, gave a recommendation to a judge for another nice chap who was an admitted pedophile. He wasn't an accused, he was an admitted pedophile. And he only said, oh, that was a mistake, after the judge said, I really think this was a bad move on the Church of England's part. Now, the Church of England said, oh, yes, we're going to have the bishops investigate Bishop Newcomb for giving a good chap another good, for, for being a good chap by giving another good chap a recommendation. And of course, they're not going to do anything. And, but it's that whole institutional incestuous problem that has caused the Church of England to wither away into absolute. <sighs> meaninglessness yeah you can't it's they're so meaningless you can't find the word of how bad it is but i just saw a video of a uh, uh a female bishop from the church of england who so distorts um incarnation i would say it's on the level of heresy some probably wouldn't but i'm like you know isn't that really you know the common distortion now we have in the 21st century coming from the church where they they don't understand God. They understand the world through the 70s uh, I want to make the world sing song, the, the Coke commercial, and not from the Gospels. And I, I keep forget, wanting I don't to call know her Graham name. Kerr, but he was a galloping gourmet. Her name was Olivia Graham. Okay, is that uh, her name? And I, I'm like... Pantheonism, I, I just. The, well, let's I, tell our friends what we're talking about. Okay, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Olivia just, Graham is the newish bishop of Reading. 
been in the job less than a year. She's our, year but sometime. she's our age, isn't she? Yeah. 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 So she grew up with the Indian commercial. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they had it in England, but uh, she had the English equivalent. And, uh, well, she's put out, she's doing a little short series of teaching videos, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful thing to do during the lockdown so people can get good Christian yeah. doctrine. And the first one was on the incarnation and it ran about six minutes, put out by the Diocese of Oxford. And she sits at a desk and rather earnestly and school marmishly tells us about creation, which is all well and good. And her first sentence is very nice. And then it goes downhill. And she propounds pantheism. Yes. The incarnation is creation. There's a little particle of God in every bit of creation. Uh, God made the earth in his image, not just men and women. Now, I know where she's coming from of having watched the crying Indian commercials all my life. And so I see the culture at play in her work, but she doesn't understand. She See, I would say she's not a heretic because she doesn't deny that Jesus is God. She just doesn't care. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if she doesn't care. Because God I, isn't Jesus, God yeah, is Gaia, the earth. Yeah, yeah. So she's, a he, she's heterodox, not heretical. But she teaches a one one of our correspondents said, you know, he started listening and when he came up to eight statements of contrary to Christian doctrine, he just stopped listening. But it's just, you know, repackaged pablum of the uh, of Greenpeace or the World Wildlife Fund. It's nothing to do with Christian doctrine. And I said to and he said this to me and before I even watched it, I said, Well, should I even bother because a crazy bishop that's not new. That's diamond. Well, will it have any legs? In other words, will this woman have a? Uh, you can have a kook in a corner shouting all day long, and it doesn't matter if people think it's a kook in a corner. But if this is somebody who'll take seriously, then that's an issue. He said, "Well, the diocese of Oxford's Twitter feed is very favorable to this, so we've got a whole swath of English religious opinion who basically jettisoning Jesus for." pan which is essentially effectively what she's doing Mm. and you wonder why the church of england isn't free fall of it and its leadership has just done such an abysmal job well it's not just um isn't another province just banned plastic bags in uh nigeria uganda Oh, uh, well, see, that's different. That's different. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why it's different. Okay. We're not being hypocrites. All right. If you've ever been to Uganda or mm. Nigeria, you remember our visit to Tanzania. Yeah, they don't have a crying Indian. <sighs> yeah, and trash is a problem. A big problem. They know it's a pollution and trash and no mufflers on cars. It, you know, what they have in Africa to an American, it, it's, you know, when you talk third world, it's pollution. You know, it's poverty. Um, it's bad infrastructure or no infrastructure. And I, every time I would fly into Ntambe and take the, uh, um, the, the, the taxi into a, another major city, I, the throat is raw from the pollution. 
And that's what they live with all the time. And so that the, the church, the Samuel Kazimbi, mm-hmm. Kazimba, the new Archbishop of Kenya, has partnered with the World Wildlife Fund and asked Ugandan Anglicans not to use disposable plastic products, little shopping bags or disposable plastic water bottles. Mm-hmm. So in the United States, we have recycling facilities, we have garbage facilities, we have an infrastructure that allows that to be, even still we get it wound, wound up in the waters. But in Africa, they don't have that infrastructure. And so all these plastics wind up in the environment, in the water, uh, by the roadside, and the Archbishop says, look, let's, let's start ourselves and use locally made bags instead of importing plastic bags from China. Uh, let's, you know, develop our own economies at the same time, clean up the countryside and clean up our cities, which is a good and right thing to do. It is. They're not worshipping uh, no, they're not. Nature. <laughs> they're they're saying, been... let's, let's be good stewards of nature. Absolutely. And the other thing they're doing is uh, they're doing a tree planting campaign. Now, unlike American tree planting, and unlike, say, an Episcopal priest in the Diocese of Pennsylvania, Oakwise the Druid, who plants trees so that he can harvest mistletoe uh, under, under the solstice. If you remember our stories about the Druidism and the Episcopal Church, you'll get those references. Church of Uganda says every time a church baptizes a child or performs a marriage or a priest, a bishop confirms people, they should plant trees on their land, both to reforest, uh, deforested areas, and also to make sure that people see that this is church land, that we're making claim to it, we're not abandoning it, so squatters don't move on to it. So that it's proper land management and stewardship the Church of Uganda seeks to follow of developing land, cutting down waste, making the land usable, marketable, rather than mystifying the environment where cutting your grass is giving God a haircut. Yeah, Um, and it's not the carbon footprint heresy where every time I take a car somewhere, I have to reverse the the charges in tree planting. Uh, it's, It's much different. It's doing it for the purpose of stewardship, not for making the white man feel guilty for flying on an airplane. It's it's much different. But, but see, the thing that gets me about the Church of England leadership, and I as an outsider, and can say this uh, in all ignorance, is that the House of Bishops within the Church of England is been neutered as a leadership tool. It just marches in lockstep. So that you've got a you've got a I will say a badly educated bishop in Olivia Graham, the Bishop of Reading, spouting absolute nonsense. We will not hear another bishop issue a fraternal correction. Somebody may send her a polite note saying, I would, you know, knock off the videos. They may may do that, Mm -hmm. but nobody is going to stand up and correct the record. Nobody's going to stand up and say, okay, we have screwed up royally. <clears throat> we followed our lawyer's advice rather than the gospel in handling child abuse cases. Maybe we need new lawyers. Maybe we need a new archbishop. Maybe we need somebody to take responsibility for this utter fiasco. Nobody has, nobody will. I think the Church of England is beyond reformation right now. and It's, it's beyond rebooting. It needs, uh, it, it's time that we start digging the six-foot hole and uh, look for another solution to lay the gospel at the at the foot of the shores of Britain. 
Well, the, the Church of England is, its substance is like one of these disposable bags that you see floating along by the sideway, highway. Huh. It just is so weightless and such a non-entity um, that for those powerful, strong, dynamic religious organizations within England, in the Church of England, uh, the hierarchy is essentially all but meaningless at this stage. It can only hurt you. It can't help you. Oh, George, we've depressed the audience again. Well, we are here. 24 minutes of absolute depression. I'm sorry. I'm glad you can guys keep turning it. Can we do zombie apocalypse from Nigeria? Or no, we'll save that for next week because oh. I bet it really happens next week. This is 2020. Nothing seems to be too far for the news. Nothing seems to not be happening. Everything you could, that could possibly go wrong has in 2020. It is amazing. George, I, I bid you a, a wonderful week, and I'm glad your church is opening doors uh, next Sunday. Uh, I won't be there for another month, but uh, uh, it should be fun. Uh, in fact, I, it's maybe late notice, but I'm looking for a good church this Sunday in Myrtle Beach. Send me an email at anglicantv at gmail.com. I hope you've enjoyed and conscripted. I'm Kevin Coulson. And I'm George Conger, and you've been watching episode 623 of Anglican Unscripted.